Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause. I hope you're all staying healthy, I hope you're all staying home, not touching your face, all the stuff that we've been told to do until we get this curve flattened. Happy to spend a few minutes with you today sharing some Zoom interviews that I've been doing lately. Now, we can't get face-to-face -to, -face to talk to people these days, so I've been using the Zoom app and speaking to fascinating people. A little bit later, we'll meet Amy Jo Johnson. You know her from her acting roles. She played Kimberly Hart on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's the Pink Power Ranger. She was Julie Emmerich on Felicity on Flashpoint. She was Jules Callahan. Now, she's left acting behind. We'll find out why in a little while. And she's directing, and she's made a tremendous film now on VOD starring Felicity Huffman called Tammy's Always Dying. More about that soon. First up, meet Michael Gray Eyes. He is the star of a great new zombie film called Blood Quantum on VOD right now. We started the interview by finding out where he's at and how he's feeling during the pandemic. Uh, well, I'm, in, I'm at home in Toronto. Yeah. Um, uh, we've lived here a number of years. Um, and uh, our neighborhood's really quiet. Um, lovely place to raise our daughters and uh, walk our dogs. Now, when you look out the window right now, though, uh, what do you see? Are people social distancing? Are you, are, when you go out to the grocery store, what are you finding that's different than it might have been a month and a half ago? Um, I'm actually quite grateful that uh, uh, the people here in Toronto that, that I've encountered um, are really conscious about uh, social distancing. Like, for example, when my wife and I are walking our dogs, you know, uh, we'll come to other people and either we cross or they cross. Yeah. You know, it's very rare when we run into someone who doesn't seem to have gotten the memo. Um, but uh, grocery stores, you know, people are wearing masks. I've been wearing masks. Um, uh, gloves, keeping, you know, keeping, dis uh, keeping distance as we wait to get into the store. I'm, I'm kind of relieved by this because uh, I was in the U.S. Uh, right before everything shut down. And I was really conscious about the fact that um, it was already in the community. Uh, and I was there for a screen test and for some meetings in New York City, of course, which is a hot zone. Oh, and I was really conscious. I was wearing gloves. I was the only one, it seemed. <laughs> but I got home and um, everything's been fine. We're safe and we're healthy. Thank goodness. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, when you were in New York, though, and you're wearing the latex gloves and the whole thing, and you say you're the only one, uh, what was the response from the people that you were auditioning against or that you were auditioning for? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. In the actual, um, in the meeting that I had, uh, uh, you know, of course, we were shaking hands still. Um, That's uh, but I wasn't wearing gloves. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't wearing gloves yet. But when I left the, the, the actual um, meeting place, I wouldn't touch doorknobs. You know, I was like, I was super careful because I knew it was there. You know, my wife and I have been tracking it since um, it first emerged in, in, in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have hand washing tips? Well, I, I do. I do know that I've been washing my hands improperly for uh, my whole life, yeah. and now because of this pandemic, I <laughs> uh, I have a really good technique now, thanks to all the videos. Yeah, it's the videos that what they taught me is that when you would wash your hands normally, the way I've done it my entire life, you don't wash your thumbs. You're just kind of doing this, and your thumbs mm -hmm. don't get the proper coverage. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's Absolutely. not good. <laughs> so there's one benefit. I'm going to be cleaner from this point going forward. I think you and I, 
I, I think you and a lot of people. I think that's uh, <laughs> if we learn nothing else from this, it's about the virtues of hand washing. Um, is there something that you miss? If you could pinpoint one thing, what would it be? Mm. Well, you know, I'm I'm really fortunate. I'm 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 fortunate in that we have a you know a lovely home. Um, I'm here with my wife and my daughters. Uh, so I uh, am fortunate that I have a companionship and connection with people that I love. Um, I feel terrible for people who are alone. Um, I know that a lot of work um, for me was canceled because of, uh, or postponed uh, because of the pandemic, and I understand why. Uh, but I was really looking forward to uh, doing that work. So for me, that, that's the big disappointment. Have you spoken with uh, any of your actor friends, anyone else in the industry, uh, and just to gauge what the general feeling is out there? Yeah, I have. It's been great. Social media is really great for that. And I know that um, everyone is really struggling. You know, we're, we're gig workers. We, we work uh, and we earn. And when we don't work, we don't earn. So um, I know a lot of people are really uh, quite, quite desperate. Um, uh, fortunately, uh, we have things like the CERB. Um, and my fingers are crossed, you know, that we'll flatten the curve. Um, that uh, we'll have systems in place to allow us to go back to work safely. You're listening to my interview with Blood Quantum star Michael Grayeyes. One job, I've, I've got a couple of jobs that I'm looking forward to. Uh, two of them are in the U.S. So I watch the news and I'm, you know, I'm rightly concerned, I think, uh, as I look at different states and, and look at how they're handling it. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, uh, systems can be put in place to ensure, you know, worker safety. Now, Blood Quantum, which is out on VOD right now, by the time this airs, it will be out on VOD right now. Uh, it's a marvelous film for a couple of reasons. And uh, it is a, a great zombie movie. It is a movie that approaches uh, the zombie story uh, from an indigenous point of view. So it has a, a feel unlike any other zombie movie that's out there. Mm. But I'm sure that you probably shot this a, a year ago, maybe more. I, I don't know how long it takes, but it's a little while ago. Uh, that it's coming out right now makes it seem even more timely uh, than it might have before because it's about a plague that, that affects a great deal of the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's certainly prescient. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we, we, we shot the film um, in 2018 um, in Montreal and Ganawage in Quebec. Uh, so, you know, I've been a big fan of the genre for a long, long time, and I've been a fan of Jeff Barnaby's work. So, of course, for me, it was an absolute no-brainer uh, to come on board. Um, and as I've watched the news the past few weeks, you know, as we, as we sit in lockdown, um, I'm, I'm stunned more and more, you know. Uh, for example, uh, in, in Jeff's film, of course, this particular community, the community of Red Crow, is immune um, yeah. to the plague. But right now, no one's immune. Mm -hmm. so, so the ideas of, you know, being safe and infection and um, xenophobia and all of these things that are playing across our TV screens um, uh, feel a lot more visceral. It feels a lot closer to home. Um, and, uh, and of course, I look at uh, Indian country and I look at the, you know, 
serious problems in places like uh, uh, the Navajo Nation. And I'm reminded, of course, that we, you know, we've been dealing with plagues uh, for our entire history, you know, certainly uh, colonial history. And here we are again. So history repeats itself in really unnerving ways. I have a quote from you here where you say, we're survivors, we totally get it. Who would be the best survivor in an actual apocalypse? And you say us, meaning indigenous people. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain what that means? Um, you know, I was having a conversation with a, with a great friend of mine, um, Alex Rice, an actress, a uh, Mohawk actress, and, and she was talking about my work on Fear of the Walking Dead. And she said, oh my gosh, here, here, you know, here on the res, we love, you know, the walking dead and these things because who, sur who survived, you know, apocalypses better than we have. Um, we've survived the settler apocalypse. You know, we're still here. Uh, we're making films, we're creating work, we're living lives. Um, uh, and so I look at disease and, you know, I just saw a post just yesterday about the smallpox um, epidemic in Saskatchewan, where I'm from. I'm from Treaty 6 um, territory. And it, it decimated our communities, 80 to 90% infection. Um, and the losses in life were devastating. So I look at our small population um, relative, you know, to, you know, the larger communities. And I look at disease and I, and I realize actually very, very um, palpably uh, that the one the ones who are here, us, um, were the survivors of plague after plague, of waves of violence, of of genocide. So um, when I when I when I said that in in an interview, I was really thinking about um, the people who allowed us to be here. Yeah. The Walking Dead, you mentioned, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, which you were on, uh, zombie movies in general, I'm told, uh, and this came from an interview that I read with you, uh, are very popular on reservations. And is it for that reason, or is it just because they're like a bloody gory good time, or is it a little <laughs> bit of the both? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think for, for me, always, I've been attracted to apocalyptic stories, uh, but but what I think is quite interesting is that um, our access as indigenous actors, as actors of color, um, I've found it easier for us to be in post-apocalyptic stories than in non-apocalyptic stories. Right. You know, like for example, uh, uh, you know, obviously for, you know, you know, I would never be in a series like Chernobyl, um, but uh, in, a, in a world where all the rules have, you know, gone away and society has broken down. Um, uh, people of color and certainly indigenous people uh, have found their way into those narratives quite powerfully. So I think when we look at, uh, you know, these kinds of films and these kinds of stories and we see ourselves on screen, I think it reflects powerfully back to uh, our own communities. You're listening to my interview with Michael Grayeyes, star of Blood Quantum. That's on VOD right now. It's a really unique an interesting zombie film, but the thing that makes it unique and interesting is not only is it told from an indigenous point of view, but it has real emotional content. You will care about these characters. So that's where we started with this interview. How is it in a genre best known for eating brains and cracking skulls that you care about the characters so much in Blood Quantum? This is what Michael Grayeyes had to say. I remember, um, 
when we were watching the premiere, I hadn't seen the film yet. And we were at TIFF and it was Midnight Madness and we were watching the screening. Um, and I, I knew the story, <laughs> you know, like I, I filmed it. Um, I got to the end, by the, by the time I got to the end, I couldn't even talk. I was, I was actually so choked up. Um, and, and Jeff is a, you know, he's a, he's a great filmmaker. Um, you know, a, a beautifully tough guy. Uh, but he's got a he's got a real soft heart, and that's present in his film. And I remember just being really moved. I was touched after seeing you know beheadings and <laughs> entrails and people covered in blood. He still managed to break my heart. Um, so I think that's uh, I think that's a testament to his talent. That last shot is something, and I give uh, yeah. away nothing by saying it, but that last shot is, uh, is, is amazing because it's left a little bit ambiguous. And so that is the idea of it, I guess, is that you leave the theater with a conversation already on your lips. What happened? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and he's like, you know, if you just look at the filmmaking, if you just look at it as, as craft, I mean, the parallels, the bookends between um, Gisugu, you know, who play, the, the character is my father, who starts on a boat, and then we finish with the you know final shots, and uh, it's it's classically structured. It's yeah. it's a beautifully made film. It's a beautifully made film, and it opens with that amazing scene where the fish kind of reanimate themselves, and it is so eerie. In a way, it's kind of funny. There are sort of funny moments all the way through the the film with these really gory things that are happening, but it's also eerie as hell when you're seeing it and you realize this movie is starting off like this and it's just going to go from there. And it certainly does. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It starts with a bang and it doesn't let up. It never takes its foot off the gas. Absolutely. Um, we talk a little bit about identity and survival. Um, you know, is that the message to take away from this movie? Uh, or is it simply a, a film that if you see it in the, the, the story, great, come for the blood and guts, learn the social, social message. Uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, I, think it I think it succeeds on, on multiple levels. I think it succeeds as entertainment. It's, absolute, um, it's absolutely a, a thrill of a ride of a film. Uh, Jeff, uh, we were at a film festival supporting it um, up north, and uh, Jeff said, you know, this is going to be watched in Indonesia. You know, and he, he says, I think about that. I think about, you know, they, they want the film because it's a zombie film and it's an action film. Um, but what they get is glimpses into our lives, portraits of indigenous life, um, uh, indigenous worldview. And he said, it's great. It's like a, it's like a sweet pill. <laughs> um, they, come, they come for the gore, uh, but they get history. They get... Um, commentary, social commentary, uh, and these beautiful portraits of, of Native people that uh, are, are all too absent from our screens. You're listening to my interview with Michael Gray Eyes, star of Blood Quantum. We were filming uh, during a really cold spring, so flies were the least of our problem, <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully, we were cold and wet a lot. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, that kind of filmmaking is tough. Uh, we're, we're muddy, we're dirty, we're bloody. Um, we work at night a lot, uh, but I was absolutely exhausted at the end of that shoot. And I've done longer shoots and, you know, maybe more physical shoots. 
but I was exhausted, like falling down tired. And I thought about it, I was like, well, what, what made it different? And I think what made it different was um, that every day on our set, it was the end of the world. And I'd come to the set and we had that kind of anxiety, that kind of um, existential terror. You know, and we'd start our first shot. And what's the first shot? You know, someone screaming, run! <laughs> yeah. And that was every day. So every day we practiced the end of the world. Um, and emotionally, uh, that, was, that was really draining. That would take a toll on you, wouldn't it? It's hard to just let that go at, the, at five o'clock when the bell rings and you get to go home uh, yeah. to know that you have to commit and do that again the next day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we love doing it. Uh, uh, but again, I was, I was beat. <laughs> Michael, do you think that after all this is said and done, the pandemic is said and done, do you think that we'll see a difference in the kinds of stories that get told or the kinds of stories, I guess specifically, that people will want to see? Or will it go back to status quo? Um, I, I hope it doesn't go back to status quo. I think there's a lot of things that are happening. Uh, this, this massive timeout uh, that the planet has given us, um, I hope, I hope people will walk away from it thinking about um, how systems work, how um, labor um, is valued, mm -hmm. um, how connection or disconnection um, is seen. Uh, I think, I hope that uh, the stories we tell um, will be about people, will be about us. Um, I love comic books. Um, I, love, I love all kinds of entertainment. Uh, but I'm really hoping that um, our stories can be about change. Our stories can be about uh, finding things that are worthwhile. Uh, because as I sit here uh, in my home, um, I have my family around me. And uh, there's very little that matters more to me than them. That was my interview with Michael Grayeyes. Via Zoom, he is the star of Blood Quantum, now playing on VOD at a television near you. Next up, I'm going to introduce you to Amy Jo Johnson. Amy Jo actually doesn't need that much of an introduction. She became a star playing the pink Power Ranger on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. She became an even bigger star on Felicity. Now she makes music and she directs film and she's made a tremendous new film starring Felicity Huffman. It's called Tammy's Always Dying. We started this interview like I'm starting all these Zoom interviews, just finding out how Amy Jo's making out in self-isolation. Here's Amy Jo Johnson. Uh, I'm okay. I'm good, actually. Um, yeah, I feel really blessed to have my little home that I love and have my piano and my health and you know everybody in my world is healthy so i feel blessed and uh <clears throat> i guess just sort of you know adapting i'm a, i write i'm a writer as well so um i spend a lot of time in my house writing anyway so i guess the biggest change besides the whole world um <laughs> is like you know is is 
Really everything, Richard. <laughs> everything. It's funny because I, I, I spend a great deal of time sitting just where exactly where I'm sitting right now writing. Uh, it's where I work on my books. It's where I write my movie reviews. And so at first it didn't seem that different until yeah. you decide, oh, wouldn't it be great to go have a beer on the corner? Wouldn't it be great to go see a movie? And then it all starts to come crashing down on you a little bit. Yeah. The weight of all of this. Yeah, for sure. And then it's like, oh, okay, I, I can't do that. Um, Zoom, man, though, like I've been Zooming and reconnecting with family members and people I haven't talked to in a long time. So um, yeah, it's just, it's so crazy. How are you doing? Well, fine. I mean, we're, we're both working from home. Uh, yeah. My wife in a more full-time kind of capacity than I am. I'm, I'm working, uh, but my television show is on hiatus until we can put people back in the studio again. Uh, yeah. So um, that's why I created this isolation studios. But uh, it might not be, I mean, who knows, maybe the fall until we can start shooting in studio again. So until yeah. then, I'm going to be spending a lot of time right here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it's important to uh, find our passions at home like I've been playing that piano like there's nobody's business <laughs> well when you look out the window or on the odd time that you do go outside what are you noticing because you're in Toronto right I'm just going to double so you're in Toronto. I am yeah I'm in Toronto yeah so when you go outside are you seeing that people are socially distancing are they following the rules what's your take on what's happening out there right now I think so. I mean, I do see lots of people walking in the streets and stuff, but people have to get fresh air. Like, <laughs> People do need to take walks, but for the most part in the area that I live in, I, I see people being respectful and, and, and doing it. Every night at 7.30, we all come out on our front porch and bang pots and pans. Isn't and it amazing? I mean, that, that to me... Uh, is one of those things that has really grabbed me about all of this because whenever, I mean, I was going to say, whenever something like this happens, nothing quite like this has happened before in our lifetimes anyway. No. Uh, but when, when something momentous happens in, in your life, I always hope that we can take something away from it. We can learn something from yeah. it. We can learn about empathy. We can learn about uh, finding our good nature. And that one thing of everyone coming together at 730 uh, every night to bang pots and pans and yell and sing and, and make some yeah. noise for the frontline workers and helpers that are out there uh, putting themselves on the line for us, I think mm -hmm. is incredible. And I hope yeah. that, you know, maybe when all this is over, that we don't necessarily bang our pots and pans at 7.30, but we keep that spirit alive. And we, we, we take from this an appreciation of the people that are out there doing incredible work for us. Yeah, I agree. I also find that a lot of people are really being very generous right now. If it's not with money, but kindness, yeah. like it's, there's a lot of giving happening, um, which is, it's, which is nice, which helps get through this. I think you're listening to my interview with Tammy's always dying director, Amy Jo Johnson. Now we'll talk about the film in just a sec. One more question about all of this. Uh, is there something that you miss? Is there something that you would love to be doing that you just simply can't do right now? Sure. I think simple thing, like just going out to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I like cooking. I'm getting a lot better at it. <laughs> <laughs> I really miss meeting some friends at a restaurant and having a glass of wine and 
having some dinner out. I miss that. Yeah. Well, it's going to be important once all this is said and done that we support the restaurants that are left because I have a feeling a lot of our favorite places won't make it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, I've been doing takeout too yeah, and, and trying to support in that way, but yeah. <sighs> Let's talk. Yeah, it is. It is such a strange time, but you have a movie coming out. So this, I mean, is it a strange time to be releasing a film or is it kind of, and I, 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 I don't want this to sound like it's probably going to sound, but is it a great time to release a movie? You have an audience uh, that is going to be at home, looking to be entertained in a way that possibly, you know, three months ago they weren't. Uh, and and this is a uh, this is good. Yeah, um, you know the, the film. I'm so proud of it. It's called Tammy's Always Dying, and um, it went to TIFF last year. And and I think it's a movie worth being seen like I, Felicity Huffman stars in it and she's wonderful in it. Um, but the movie has, you know, had a lot of obstacles in its way. <laughs> One Felicity Huffman stars in it and that whole, you know, stuff that happened last year. Was um, that a disappointment for you or, or, or did you just think the performance is so strong because she, I've seen the film. She's wonderful in the movie. She's transformed in the film, a performance unlike I think she's ever given before. Uh, but having your name in the tabloid headlines kind of must give you a little, you know, when you see it. Oh, I was in the, I was in the editing room when that, when that all went down. I was still editing the movie. And yeah, it was a, a dark cloud for a bit because it was, you know, my life for the last two years. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, is this movie going to be sold? Is it going to see the light of day? But then it got into TIFF and that was really so wonderful. It was like one of the best experiences of my career. It was just so nice to be a part of that community and to be like a, one of the filmmakers and to have my movie be celebrated there. It was really great. So yeah, so we were supposed to come out in theaters May, May 1st, but then all of this is happening. So, so it's not, but it's still coming out and we're gonna do um, a virtual online premiere for it. And we're gonna do a contest leading up so you can win a ticket to, to come to the premiere and watch the movie with us. And then we're gonna do a Q&A after and just try to, and get dressed up and try to try to make an evening out of it for people. Um, I don't know, I don't really ever look at things of woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's just sort of, it is what it is. And I think it's a really great movie. And I think Felicity is wonderful in it. Anastasia Phillips is great in it. She's unbelievable in it. Um, it has a great cast. Uh, Christian Brune. And Christian Brune, who was yeah. uh, on an earlier episode of In Isolation with. And Clark yeah. Johnson, my old friend Clark, Clark Johnson, is so great in this. He's great. He's, he's really lovable in it. Um, so I think people you know, will enjoy the movie. Is it a good time for a movie to come out? I don't know. I, you know, it, it again, it is what it is. It's a strange time. You're listening to my interview with Amy Jo Johnson. We did it over Zoom a couple of days ago. Now you can find her film, Tammy's Always Dying, on VOD. Of course, most filmmakers want to see their film on the big screen, but I suggested that you could find a huge audience 
I don't want to say captive audience, but we are all self-isolating, or many of us are, a captive audience for her film on VOD. But you have a, a potentially huge audience that are going to be discovering VOD and streaming movies, uh, people that might not have uh, taken that route before. So there's that. Uh, as a filmmaker, though, you did get to see it on the big screen at TIFF, and that, that had to be great. Uh, I'm so... So grateful that we went to TIFF because if we had, you know, waited for say Tribeca or one of these other things, then that uh, I feel so bad for all those filmmakers. It must be really, really heartbreaking. Now you have typically, as a filmmaker, worked uh, on your own scripts. This is a script that was written by someone else, but from what I've read and from what I understand, that you have kind of a personal connection to the material as well. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, the script is written by Joanne Sarazen, who I went to the Canadian Film Centre with. And that's where we met. We were studying together. I was studying directing and she was actually writing Tammy's Always Dying. And I heard the script and I fell in love with it because it was very cathartic for me. One, it's very darkly funny. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's excruciatingly sad, too, which are the types of movies that I love to make. Um, so my father is a non-functioning alcoholic who suffers from depression and he is a male version of Tammy <laughs> in a lot of ways. And, and that must have given you then some insight, both how to portray the character, but really treat the character uh, as a human being and, and treat the character and, and bring layers to a character who could have simply been, you know, someone who's intoxicated stumbling around the screen. A great deal. Yeah, it was really, um, it was the first time I'd ever directed something that I didn't write. And I actually loved that process. And I loved working with Joanne through that of sort of climbing my way inside the story and figuring out how I want to tell it. And then collaborating with Daniel Grant, who shot it, and, and Marion Wehick, who is the production designer. And it was different because I didn't write it. It wasn't my baby. And, and so it actually was kind of liberating at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, and Joanne was wonderful. I had her on set and I brought her in the editing room a couple times. And um, she's a very dear friend now. And we had a great time working through that. It was, you know, I didn't make the movie that she would have made. Right. But every director is going to make... I mean, anybody, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like anybody yeah. who directs a movie, it's going to be different from the other person. You're listening to my interview with Tammy's Always Dying director, Amy Jo Johnson. You were watching Felicity Huffman work on this set. And I love this quote from you. You said, while I was watching her, I realized I was such a lazy actress. We oh. first met you as an actor and performer before you uh, went behind the camera as a director. And what do you mean by that? What did you mean when you said watching her made me realize I was a lazy actor? I really was. I look back on my career and I'm so embarrassed as an actress. because, And I think it has to do with passion. I really do because... I was always very insecure as an actor, um, which I think made it a little bit intimidating. And then, but I think I also had a very natural way about my, me as an actor. So I could be lazy and get away with it most of the time. I look back now and I'm like, oh boy. But as a director, um, 
I just love it so much. I just want to do all my homework. I just want to know everything about what I'm doing. And, and, and then seeing Felicity and Anastasia bring 150% Mm-hmm. to set every single day and Felicity really made the entire crew have to rise to the occasion and and give everything they could give so um yeah yeah I think I'm a much better director than I ever was an actor <laughs> it, it, I'm so sorry all those producers and directors I'm so sorry <laughs> well, you're on such successful projects and things I mean it, it, I think you're you're uh, underplaying your value to those producers and directors that you work for as an actor. Maybe. <laughs> Although being a director now, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what Felicity said before we shot, she goes, how about Amy Jo, how about um, no sides on set? And I said, oh, I love it. it so every me. actor has to show up with no script and be off book. And they did and it was fantastic and yeah. what do you think that that lends to it well then they can play and then we can play and then i like to shoot everything even the rehearsals and a lot of the times keep the camera rolling through um setups yeah. you know just like do take after take um and it just allows freedom, I think, for, for them to play and to really find stuff that if they didn't know the lines, wouldn't be able to be discovered. I've been reading here that you were done with acting. Is, is, that, is that possible to say? Or, or if something um, amazing comes up, you would do it? Yeah, I'm done with auditioning and I'm done with pursuing a career as an actress. But, you know... I have a script I wrote called Crazier Than You where I want to play my mother and I will do that role. And then Joanne's amazing screenplay and working with Joanne and doing um, that crazy role that she wrote in there that she wants me to play. 100% I would absolutely, I would be stupid not to do it. Uh, And I won't be lazy. That's right. Yeah. Well, you've learned. Yeah. You've learned something. Learn all your lines before you uh, walk on. And I would love to collaborate with her in that way you know, because we were so good together. Um, we're, she's very generous and we've really learned how to just really give each other the space we need. And I think it'd be really fun to, you know, trade hats and do it differently, yeah. Now, I have been reading uh, about uh, funding films like this and there's, and tell me whether this is true or not. You've spoken about how doing fan conventions actually helps, your, uh, helps fund your directing. Um, is that, is, yeah, and so tell me a little bit about that, because I think that's fascinating. It, it, money is so difficult to raise, uh, to, to get a film done. I don't think people who have never made a film or worked in the business realize kind of what a miracle it is every time a movie gets made and you can raise yeah. the amount of money you need. And you've got a unique situation here. I am so blessed and lucky for the Power Rangers, which is my first job I ever had. And honestly, so with the space between, um, I did an Indiegogo campaign and that the fans that have supported me throughout my entire career funded half of that movie. The other half was telefilm. And so between the two, we got the movie done. Um, With Tammy's Always Dying, you know, I, I'm not working as an actress anymore. So I 
do not have a paycheck coming in and making an indie film and raising all the money through Telefilm and CBC and Crave and Nabet and <clears throat> Ontario Creates and all these wonderful you know, places that give the money to make the movie, um, I need to make a living as well to put all of myself into getting something like that off the ground. So I do maybe five to 10 conventions, or I did, right now they've all been canceled. Um, uh, a year I would do them so I could, um, you know, have, keep the lifestyle that I have and focus everything I have onto getting a movie off the ground. I saw amazing. Uh, a, a lineup, it is amazing. I saw a lineup, I was gonna come over and say hello, uh, but, I didn't want to wait in the line that was about 150 people long for you at the at the fan expo here in Toronto. Oh, like two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I thought it was uh, amazing. And people were genuinely excited to meet you, which has to feel good. I have met the nicest people. Like tomorrow or in a, I don't know what day you're airing this. But anyway, um, I'm going to do a stage it show where I go online and um, I play music. And it's on stageit.com. Right. And I have like these diehard supporting people that have just followed my career and they come. And at the conventions, I have not met, a, you know, it's, it's just been wonderful. Like well, when I, so I do Q and A's there yeah. and I feel like a stand up comedian. It's like the best audience in the world. I love it. Oh, I love it. So yeah, well, because they're there to like see you. Well, there's great. a great story that I heard you tell about uh, someone named Matt at a convention. Do you know who what I'm talking about here? Yeah, I do. He was the he was the man um, in a wheelchair, and he said thank you for teaching me how to laugh when I didn't know how to. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. That Stories like that, it's like man, you know. When I was 21 doing Power Rangers and I was like, oh my God, I'm wearing spandex on national television. What am I doing? 30 years later, 25 years later to have people tell you their stories like that. It's pretty great. That was Amy Jo Johnson. Her film, Tammy's Always Dying, can be found wherever you legally download or rent movies on VOD. It's a great film. Check it out. Felicity Huffman is wonderful in it and her co-star, Anastasia Phillips, keeps up with her every step of the way. Well, that's it for this week. It's been my pleasure to come to you through the radio. I hope that you're all staying safe. You're washing your hands. We can flatten the curve. We can do this. We just all have to do it together. We'll talk to you again soon.